Welcome to the All Financial Hour podcast with Steve All. All right, little game for you here, Steve. I'm going to play a sound, and I'm going to see if you can guess it. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The cicadas must be coming back. We have 2020 killer bees, and what do we got, cicadas coming this time around? Uh, Yep, that's that's (laughs) what they say. Uh, This insect, man, it's kind of crazy. It lives in the dirt for years at a time. And uh, this May, so just a couple months away, billions of them will emerge for the first time in 17 years. That's a long sleep, my friends, 17 oh. years. Yes, it, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> 17 years, but I can got the golf courses and everything else oh when my the God. cicadas are out. Yeah. You can't hear yourself think. You cannot, as you just heard in that, in that little uh, mm-hmm. sound right there. Well, after that, if you want to mark your calendars, you're not going to be able to see them until the year 2038. So uh, big deal there. But you know what we will see before, before 2038, Steve, is recessions. Not one, not two, but four of them, if the historical average holds true. So... Let's talk about how you can help all of us ride out these potential downturns. And if we're likely to experience them between now and the next time the cicadas pay us a visit, I mean, how do we protect ourselves? The idea around it is I think people get kind of spoiled. You know, we forget that markets have cycles. Mm -hmm. Us baby boomers, we think of the 80s to the 2000s when the market just went crazy. Then we go to like 2002 to 2007. And then we look from 2009 to 2021, it's predominantly been a, you know, a bull market. But we forget about 2000 to 2002 when we had two years of large declines in 2007 to 2009. Mm -hmm. So we forget about that. But markets have cycles. They're going to go up and they're going to go down. So we have to look at it and say, what are we doing to protect our retirement? And, And that's when I look at it. You got two different ways that you can look at protecting for retirement. One, I want an asset that cannot go down due to market volatility Mm -hmm. to protect the asset. Okay. I like the fixed indexed annuity that's designed for that. What's my why? Why am I doing it? Protected growth. I don't want any riders. I don't want any fees. I want it as low as I can possibly get cost wise. The other thing that can help protect during a downturn is a guaranteed income you cannot outlive. As Mel likes to say it, the three most important things in retirement are income, income, and income. (laughs) If if I have a guaranteed income that's coming in and it's going to be there every month, kind of like my social security or my pension, Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about the ups and downs of the market. So those are two ways that we can look at it. Well, that's a annuity with an income rider completely different animal. And now I want the annuity that gives me the most income that I can possibly get. That's it. I'm Mm -hmm. not worried about the other things. So which side am I going for? Protection or income? I think the fixed index annuity does a good job, but there are separate ones for each one of them. So the question that I usually ask, it's going to happen. What are you doing to protect the gains that you've had Mm -hmm. over the last few years? Because we haven't seen a 2000 to 2002 or we haven't seen a 2007 to 2009 in a while. Yeah. So I think we forget we we quickly forget about those negative years. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, we have our blinders on. You get a little spoiled and you forget what it felt like, a gut-wrenching feeling when the market went down and maybe you lost some. Uh, and you talk about income here. The most important outcome is the income, which we all know that. And when you leave the working world, the big question is, well, how do you replace that income that you've been getting? How do you replace that paycheck? Well, that is important because one of the downsides of leaving the workforce is that banks may decide that you're no longer credit worthy. And Tim Steffen, Director of Financial Planning for Bear tells Morningstar that's why you should consider opening a line of credit on equity in your house before you retire. If there is some sort of an emergency that happens in retirement, whether it's a medical emergency, a major home repair, something along those lines where you need access to cash, the bank is going to look at you as maybe not a good credit risk. You don't have an income stream mm-hmm. coming in anymore. So what we're encouraging folks to do is as you head into retirement, if you don't have one already, at least apply for a home equity line of credit. Until you start drawing on it, there's no interest expense. It doesn't cost you anything other than those annual expenses. So it's going to be a lot easier to get while you're working than it is after you retire. It's interesting. So, Steve, what do you think about this? Is this something that we should be considering and is it helpful? I, every client, as they as they near their retirement years, when they've got that, I'm going to retire in one year or two years, I ask them all the exact same question. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you have a line of credit on the home? And, you know, Dave and Mary had come in. They said, Steve, I just spent 30 years paying off my house. And now you want me to get a line of credit on it? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and and they look at me like I got four eyes. And I said, right. it could be used for the emergency fund. Now, I do not agree with people getting line of credits on their home and using them like a slot machine where they're pulling money out of it. I agree with Tim that it's for an emergency. What if you would have needed twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars out of your retirement nest egg on March the fifteenth of last year, when the market was in a free fall? Mm-hmm. It would be much easier to take the money out of a line of credit on my home because I have the assets to pay it back. Like I said, I'm not doing it for a slot machine to pull money out of my house. I'm doing it so that I have an emergency fund when and if I needed that extra cash. Well, listen, that's important. Uh, You're exactly right. I would look at you like that, too, and go, well, you just told me to pay off my house, and now you're telling me to, (laughs) wait a minute, what? But uh, it makes sense, though, so that you have that reserve there if you need it. It's not about spending it. It's about if you need it. As Tim said, there's usually no cost if you don't use it. Mm -hmm. And that's the best thing that you can possibly have, an emergency fund that you could use the value in your home just to borrow against for a short time and then use your assets to pay it back when it'd be a better time to pay it back. Yeah. When and if all those good questions come in to play here. And uh, Steve, this is something that you and the team talk about every single day with individuals. And look, it's confusing and it can be complicated. The conversation about finances and creating that income and just putting that retirement plan together. And I'll tell you another facet of uh, planning for retirement is social security. And The Motley Fool says there are certain mistakes that couples tend to make. So let's talk about a couple of these. I think some of the biggest mistakes that people make is that, you know, we both have to take our Social Security at the same time. That's usually not a very good strategy. Mm -hmm. I like to use what I call the largest spread. The person that has the higher income and the higher Social Security, delay it as long as possible. And the person that's going to have the lower of the two Social Security, take as soon as you can. You have to remember the annual earnings test if you're still working prior to full retirement age. Those strategies usually work out much better 
than taking it all at one time. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other mistake that a lot of people make is they forget about the survivor's benefit. Most people don't realize that when a couple, when either person passes away in the couple, the lower of the two social securities, the amount will drop. Mm -hmm. So my idea of it is, is the higher earner, I want that to be as high as possible. So that way, whether they pass away or if their spouse passes away, they maintain that higher amount of Social Security. I think those are probably two of the biggest mistakes I see people make. And I look at it to sit here and say, you can't do it in a vacuum. We can get on the phone. You can give me your Social Security estimates that you get from Social Security. Mm -hmm. And we can run an analysis about optimizing your Social Security then we can actually plug it into your situation to see if it makes sense to delay taking your Social Security. Thanks for listening to the All Financial Hour podcast. Catch the full show Saturday at 7 a.m. on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Steve All is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The All Financial Group, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and the All Financial Hour podcast are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Insurance license in the state of Missouri. Insurance license number 8039738.